the rest of the uh, time today is going to be part report, part preaching. So hopefully it'll be useful to you. First thing I want to start off is with uh, this diagram. This was a bit of an epiphany that I had um, when I was talking with Helen Schwartz a little while ago. Uh, you remember I was talking before about the sign down here and, uh, and people uh, finding where they fit. Well, you can do spiritual gift surveys. Has anyone ever been and to a church where you do spiritual gift surveys to find out where, yeah, um, we're okay with that. You, you don't need to kind of repent if you've done a spiritual gift survey. But it kind of looks to us uh, that the best way to find out where someone fits is to combine these three things on the screen, all right? And Nathan's not going to agree with me yet because he's, he's never even seen this before. This is the first time he's seen it, all right? But this is what, what it seems to me is the best way to go. Uh, we've talked a little bit about some of this stuff. Um, I think serving in the project, just putting everyone on, on the same page, is about connecting the calling and the passion that you have, the spiritual gifts and abilities you've got, and the effectiveness of all of those things. So down the bottom left here, you've got, well, let's start with the top one, calling and passion. You want to actually be excited about doing stuff, right? If I hated speaking, that, that would be really hard for you. All right? And it would be hard for me because I'd stand up and I'm doing something I don't really like that much. All right? And it's a bit of a grind. And most of you have probably been in jobs maybe at some point in time I had to do stuff where it's just a grind and it's a grind over a long period of time and it's just difficult. It's hard. Now, one thing that we're looking for in the project is people who are really passionate about particular areas because I think God gives people particular passions. And what you can... Um, bank on the church doing is we want to fan into flame whatever passion you've got in, in those areas, whatever heart you've got to operate in a particular area. Uh, it's the church's job to inspire, encourage and release the passion and the desire that people have to work in particular areas. But you could be really passionate about something like I could be really passionate about leading worship. <laughs> it's really quiet. See? And that's the problem, right? And most of you have known people like this. They're really passionate about something, but they're actually not that good at it, all right? And they're really hard to talk to about how it's like, look, we love how excited you are about it, but almost no one else is, <laughs> all right? And part of that conversation is just to say, hey, listen, uh, you know, I mean, at one level, the church's job is to sharpen and to skill you up and equip you and make you better at your giftings and talents, but... I mean, I've never, I'm not sure I've ever heard my dad sing, all right? Now, he sung lots, but most of the time it sounds like a monologue to me, right? He can't sing that well, and the worst thing you'd want to do is make him the worship leader, probably. But get him up preaching, he does a really good job, and he loves it, all right? Now, the truth is he probably wouldn't want to get up and sing anyway as a worship leader. He loves singing um, in the crowd. So God's actually given everyone here a specific spiritual gift or specific spiritual gifts in plural, and abilities, all right? And part of, in the project, part of what we want to do is find out what those are and work out how to plug those in. And so the, the church's responsibility uh, with calling and passion is to fan it into flame and encourage it and release it. The church's responsibility when it comes to giftings and talents is let's sharpen it up and get it as good as we possibly can. The last one is this. Whatever you choose to do needs to build up the church. All right, that's 1 Corinthians 12. The purpose of God giving gifts is so the church is built up. So here's the thing. You could be really passionate, you could be gifted, and it could do nothing for anyone. And you probably shouldn't be doing it if it never blesses anyone. 
you need to find somewhere to serve that does each of those three things. And it doesn't have to be majestic kind of spiritual leadership things. All right? Putting out chairs is a real blessing to a lot of people. It's a real blessing to me. Everyone who doesn't, it's a real blessing to me that people take the time and come in early to do that. Now, if they're strong and they've got a heart for logistics, I remember at the church I was at previously, this was like the funniest thing. It was a dude <laughs> so passionate about putting chairs out, he used a string line. <laughs> I'm not even making it up. He used a string line. And we're all looking over and he's got this string line out because he wants to get the row of chairs straight. Just go, buddy. If that, you know, if that does it for you, that's okay. And what we would envisage at the project is that people, I mean, Helen and I joked earlier in the year about this being the de facto kind of um, um, mission or vision for the project this year is have a crack, all right? And if you wonder where all the weird names come from, you know, for the project, it's, it's all my fault, all right? But... Honestly, I think the best way to find out where you fit is have a crack. Find the thing that you're really excited about. Find the thing that you might be okay at. Find the thing that you think someone else might be blessed by and have a crack at it. And let's all be honest with one another and find the spot where you fit in the project. Um, I might be a really good speaker, maybe. Uh, I might be really passionate about it, but if no one ever gets help by me speaking, I probably need to find something else to do. And that was one of the things... And I hope it's still the case. People tell me it is. But in the early days when I first started speaking and preaching, people would come up and say, oh, I was really helped by that. And that's a, a really good indicator that you might be in the right spot. Um, so let me encourage you in that direction. This is our sign. Isn't it a lovely sign? Drive past it every day. You know what our ultimate purpose is? Making disciples of Jesus. And if you've, uh, you've heard us speak, probably lots about this. A disciple was basically a groupie that hung out with a cool guy and wanted to be like him. So when Jesus has a bunch of disciples, they're hanging out with Jesus because they want to be just like him. Now, someone said to us, ah, it's a bit kind of, you know, it's a bit religious, the word making disciples, and we've got it on the main highway. Well, we just hope that people who come here who don't know Jesus just know that that's all we mean, is we think Jesus is ridiculously awesome and amazing. And we just all want to get more like him. And we'd love anyone who comes to get more like him because that's going to be the best thing ever uh, for them. And part of that, you've heard us say probably before, is that we're keen for people to be committed to three things at the project. One, coming to church once a week. Um, I shouldn't do that, should I? One community group every week and one regular act of service. I used to, there used to be a guy in the church that I used to go to who had, a, um, had glasses and he always used that finger to push his glasses up in the middle of his sermon and I'm just going, oh. God, brother, you can't do that. So we love the fact uh, that, that you'd come to church on Sunday morning, get deeper. We love the fact that you'd be in community and uh, we're really keen for you to serve each other. Um, that's a really important part. I was listening to a message by Tim Keller the other day. This is really interesting. He quoted a study across, uh, and it was a study done across multiple religions. So it was done with Muslims, Jews, Christians, and they basically, one of the things they asked in this study was, do you need to go to church or whatever the equivalent is in the other religions to be a Jew or be a Christian or whatever? Do you get what I'm saying? And you know what? 90% of people in America said you don't across all of those religions. And the interesting comment he made about this is he said, if you actually check out each one of those religions, they all disagree with the individualism that exists in America. 
And it's interesting. So his point was that the individualism and the whole notion of being independent kind of carries across religious uh, denominations, sorry, not denominations, but religions in America. And that's why at the project you hear us talk so much about community is because I think we're far more individualistic than what we think. Um, and so we're going to talk about it. We've talked about it lots. We're going to keep talking about it because we want you to be in relationships with each other and contributing to each other. Uh, we spent a lot of time when we preached through Hebrews uh, looking at community and the importance of community. And to be honest, this is a personal battle for me at the moment. Uh, I mean, I've just been reading a whole bunch of stuff and I've been uh, doing some study on a whole bunch of stuff. And I think the extent of our individualism goes well beyond what we expect. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of, I think God's kind of getting on my case more and more about it because my gut reaction in a sense to uh, community is I find a slot to put it in, <laughs> you know, a period of time is that's when I do community. That's when I do relationship with other people. And you just get messed up by these verses like in Hebrews where it says to exhort one another daily or encourage each other daily. And it's like it's really difficult when you go to the Bible. If you're looking for community happens during two hours at community group or it happens during church on Sunday, you just kind of, it's really hard to find that in the Bible. It just looks like it's kind of happening all the time. Um, and that's kind of our end goal here. It's not so much, we would love people to be in community groups, all right? Because that's our main vehicle for community. And I think at the end of last year, we had close to 80% of people in community groups in terms of Sunday morning attendance. And we love that. That's great. Now, typically, churches have about 50%. Um, and the reason why we want people connected that way is because that's where you're going to get a lot of your help. And that's how God speaks to you. The last thing about the project Making Disciples of Jesus is... Nice family photo. This is kind of what we want to see in the project. So all the fellas need to get dressed up like this next week. We're going to take a nice sepia photo. No, not really. What you've got there is four different generations. Now, I think it's good to have four different generations of people in physical age, but I think it's always good to have lots of different generations in terms of their spiritual age. And I think one of the things that's been really exciting about the project for me is that people, it's been, you know, it hasn't been... People who come to church, who don't go to church and don't follow Jesus, haven't been crying out in pain halfway through church, all right? And, they, and they're happy to listen to stuff, and they're happy to hear, to hear stuff, and, and we get some stuff back from them that it connects with them. And, you know, some of them um, decide they want to start following Jesus. And that's ultimately what we're gunning for, is that we just want people to join us in following Jesus. Uh, when I was in the States recently in Philadelphia... We're staying in this student accommodation, and it was student accommodation. It, it was seriously that that photo uh, was probably clean compared to the the uh, the room upstairs that my mate had to walk through all the time to get to his room. Um, but there was a guy there who was studying a uh, an MD of a Masters of Divinity at Westminster uh, Theological Seminary, and you know what he asked me? He goes, "How many people are Christians in Australia?" And uh, I said, oh, about four percent." That's like, if you take out nominal Christians, if you talk about people who go to church, it's about 4%. Now, they reckon in the States, I've heard it said that as many as 50% of people in the States go to church on any given Sunday, all right? So you know what this guy went on to say? And I wasn't quite sure how to react to this. He went on to say this to me. He goes, because what I was thinking is I might come as a missionary to Australia. 
Now, I've got this thought, and it's a question for community groups for this week. How would you feel if an American person, now, setting aside God might have called them and asked them to go over, set all the spiritual stuff aside for a sec. Don't quote me on that, all right? But just for the moment. What if it was like, the, he goes, I'm coming and I'm going to be a missionary to Highfields or Toowoomba? Yeah, of course you're going to go, yeah, the more the merrier, right? But there's, for me, there's just a little bit of challenge in that. Does anyone else feel that? Because this is kind of our, this, we've got the home ground advantage. This is like our home turf, all right? In terms of effectiveness and people being reached and people coming to meet Jesus, not being manipulated or forced into it, but just people getting Jesus presented to them, someone living out in front of them the best that they can, a Christian, uh, Jesus-centered life. I mean, that's, that's our deal, isn't it? I mean, I, I'm not, I appreciate anyone who's come from a different church, but I'm not that excited for the project to go into the future thinking that we're going to grow the church by sheep stealing from other churches. You with me? I don't, that doesn't benefit the other church, and I'm not sure it even benefits us that much. The project needs to grow because people come to actually know Jesus at the project and hang around. Now, sometimes with church plants, what happens is people come to know Jesus and they hang around for a little bit and then they go to a different church. We're cool with that, all right? If God could actually use us to introduce Jesus to a few people and have their lives massively changed by it, that would be amazing, would it not? Anyone agree with me? Now, the cool thing is that that's happened. I'm going to get a guy up to talk about that. Daryl, why don't you come down? Daryl hates public speaking. Uh, he gets very nervous. He said to me before, he's, you don't want to know how my tummy feels right now, but you'll be nice to him. Daryl lives uh, a couple of doors down the road from us in Cook Court, over the back there. So uh, I'll just sort of get him to stand up and share with him, you his story for a few minutes. Hi, all. Hope everyone's having a good day today. As you probably guess, I'm as nervous as... I probably really can't say how nervous I am because of the mixed company. But what happened a couple of years ago in my life, something happened that wasn't real good at all. With me and the family and things weren't good and I didn't know where to turn to. I've known Pete because he's a neighbour. We had a few chats about God and that over the years I'd known him. And it was good. And I grew up as, as a, in the church with mum and dad and then I left and whatever. We started talking to Pete, and Pete just said, why don't you come up one day? So I did. Shani and I, my little girls, some of you know, we came up here one day, and, and we stayed. It was wonderful. It opened my eyes, it opened my mind. I started to see things in a different light than I never saw before. I started to realise that not only did I know about Jesus and God, but I realised I needed Jesus and God. I needed them in my life to help me to be the better, better father and better husband and just a better all-around person, to be able to help people and try and just do the right thing by people and it's through Pete and the church that the need that I have for Jesus and God is still here but it's not only the need I have now it's that I want them in my life I want Jesus and God and new people and everyone to be walking with us to help me become better and just to help us spread the word of God to everyone even if you know. and now I find it easier to talk about God to people that I never three years ago I wouldn't even brought it up I was brought up, you know, you don't talk about religion and politics. That was, that was the rule years ago. Still is to some people. But now, I talk about both. <laughs> 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 but yeah, it's been great. 
and what this church has done for me it's it's not about as i've said to pete many a time what i found with this church it's not about bringing people to god and if you go argue with me it's fine i'll find it's a bad thing they're bringing he's bringing god to the people you might seem, seem double dutch but there is a difference well to me there is and that's what he's done for me and my life's changed i still have my ups and downs i still being a christian you should try and walk along a straight line i still waver I'm getting closer to being on that line all the time. So when I waver, I don't go as far down the ditch as I used to. I'm getting up. And it's been a wonderful godsend for me. And I'll thank you and Pete and everyone here for it. Thank you. Thanks, mate. That's good. So let me give you a few, uh, a little bit of an idea of where the project's going so that um, you can feel like you can get on board with us. From the uh, start of next term, we're actually going to start working through the Gospel of Mark. Um, and, and I'm really excited about it. And the thing I'm most excited about is that it's going to be about Jesus every week. And the cool thing about that is uh, Hebrews was really good for us, but Hebrews is written to a bunch of Christians. And uh, I just really feel like the project needs to get really on the front foot in terms of taking pe- Jesus to people. And the really cool thing about it, hopefully, is over the next 15 years as we work through it, no, I'm kidding. I mean, it's going to be a little bit quicker because it's narrative-based rather than argument kind of based. So uh, I imagine it'd be 18 months maybe that we'll be going through Mark or two years. But you know what? The cool thing about it is um, during term time when we're doing Mark, you can bring somebody who doesn't know Jesus every single week and they'll hear something about Jesus because that's what Mark's all about. It's just all about Jesus and all about what he did. So uh, I'm really hoping, because you know sometimes in churches you can, you can kind of go, well, I don't know when's a good time to invite someone. I don't know what kind of service or sermon they're going to get. Like, it'll be really cool. Like 18 months, it's just like Jesus, all right? So if you're ever talking about Jesus, you say, hey, why don't you come to church? Because he's going to be preaching about Jesus, whoever he is. So I'm really excited about that. We're, uh, we're keen to, uh, to build into that. Uh, another part of that is, uh, and you'll find out more about this next week, is we've got uh, the first two Sundays in September, we're going to do some stuff on parenting, and the series is going to be called Parenting Moments. And who here knows as a parent you have moments? <laughs> you have good moments, you have hard moments. You'll find, more, find out more about that next week. We're getting some nice little cards printed out at a printer, and you'll get those next week. And rather than doing letterbox drops, what we're really keen for you to do is to actually stick them in people's hands and say, why don't you come along to church and you hear something about parenting and they'll hear something about the heart and, and that sort of stuff too. So our, uh, this is part of our culture series. And so the big idea is uh, unless you go and get specialised help, who out there is helping parents to parent outside of the church? And not that many people. So we just want to fill that gap um, and actually give people something that's going to be helpful for them. So that's the, uh, the Parenting Moments uh, Culture Series. When um, Term 4, a few weeks into Term 4, another thing that we're going to be working on is uh, a bit of a discipleship thing, and it's a marriage thing, discipleship thing. So we're doing a marriage enrichment uh, weekend, and that's going to be on the 18th. I can't remember whether that, the 18th is a Saturday or the Sunday, but we'll give you a firmer details. It's the 18th of October. And we want all the married people in the church. We're just not sure how wide we're going to throw it at this point in time. We may throw it to the school community to see if people want to come and uh, get some input 
on their marriage and have some workshopping stuff on their marriage. Uh, but we're really keen to do that. On the same day that that's going to happen, we're going to use a bit of our missions money that we've budgeted to do some really cool stuff um, for the kids, all right? So we're going to look after all the kids, and we might even promote it across the school and say, why don't you come? We're going to have a blast. We're going to get some people to come in from outside of the church to do some programming stuff for the kids. And so we're going to make it a, a marriage and kids kind of two days. So it'll be 8 till two. 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. on the Saturday and then 4.30 to 6.30 on the Sunday because we just want the opportunity to mop anything up that we need to mop up um, in case any married couples go home and have some interesting conversations on the Saturday night. Uh, uh, Someone's told me that the Monday after that is uh, moderation day or something. for So it's a student-free day. So it's just going to kick all the goals, it appears, at this point in time. All right, how am I going? On top of that, there's a couple of other things that we're going to go that we're going to do in the in the near future about developing people's ability to pastorally care and support each other. Uh, I'm really excited about some of those. Won't go into those now, uh, but that's that's coming up too. And it's all about making disciples of Jesus, growing people who don't know Jesus, growing people that do know Jesus. All right. The project leadership mo. This is where I'm going to finish. What's an MO? Modus operandi, or mode of operation or working. How is the leadership actually going to work? So we've seen this morning, hopefully you've seen, the project's dependent upon us. That's the first one. You've seen, hopefully, a little bit about where we're going in the near future. And one of the things that Diff and Nathan and I at the moment are working on is a bit of a strategic plan for the next five years. Um, Because we're going to need to think about a few things. Today's kind of okay. But I don't know whether you guys have noticed, but this place gets pretty full on a Sunday morning. And we just got to work out what we're going to do about that. Um, and uh, so we might even, we'll be having discussions between now and the end of the year. Because what I think is really good for you, for example, is that you come into a church that's not full. <laughs> okay? I tell you, when we first started, there was like four or five rows on each side. Like no one had to say anything about the fact that it was small. Like it was just obvious. And and uh, and to be honest, I remember talking with Nathan about it. It was a bit intimidating, to be honest. You just had all these people sitting right up close to you and there, there wasn't many of them. It's like when you speak to a larger crowd, you don't really see individual faces as much. You tend to see the crowd. But when you speak to a really small crowd, you see all the individual faces. And it's just a tad scary when you're not used to it. And I, I actually love the idea that we might actually find a way to get to a church building that's not full. Now, we're not going to do that by kicking people out, all right? Some of you are going, oh, no, this is like Survivor. (laughs) It's like we're going to snuff out your candle. See ya. No, no, I mean, one of the options on the cards just to... I shouldn't use that analogy, should I? One of the options um, for us is to have more than one service on Sunday morning, Okay. Or have more, more than one service in general. Now, some of you go, oh, we've tried that before. Just go, well, we might need to try it again. Because I don't know whether you've ever been to a service in the indoor sports centre, but it's pretty brutal, the uh, acoustics, and it's not nice. Um, but I, I think, to be honest, I think if we, if we started, it's possible that we might start next year and the number of people that we've got here is halved for two different services, and we come in and we go, man, there's a lot of space here, which is really good. You know why? Because 96% of people who don't follow Jesus is a lot of people. 
truth? And why can't, why can't we have 50% of Toowoomba going to church on any given Sunday? I think at the moment the stat's about 10%. Why not? And I'm, I'll just ask you, how big's your vision? And so what's, I think what's going to happen at the project is things are just going to keep happening that are just going to be different. Um, it's just going to stay in a state of flux. Now, do we want to be big for the sake of being big? No, we don't. But we want to grow people. And if God keeps bringing people to us to grow, we'll just keep growing the people he brings to us. And we just seem to find a way to, uh, to make that work. So I'm just really inviting you. We're not. Hopefully you don't get the vibes like, oh, Pete's just going to put, us on it, put it on us. You know, he's going to be this authoritarian. No, I'd love you just to be part of it with us all. Now we're going to talk to you about it. We'll probably do surveys and that sort of stuff because we want to all work together on it. Okay? But seriously, there would be a large part of me, if this guy comes over as a missionary to Toowoomba or to Australia, it's a bit embarrassing, to be honest. Uh, it probably indicates, maybe, that churches in Australia just seem to put their foot on the gas a little bit more when it comes to reaching people and, and living Jesus out. I want to read this and make a couple of comments and then I'm done. You might remember we, uh, I preached on this prayer of Paul in Ephesians 3 uh, a couple of weeks ago. Just read through it again. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And what I want you to notice here is there's a collision here. Just have a look at that scripture. There's a collision between God's power and his love. And I think that's what ought to be happening in the church is the church ought to be a visible demonstration of God's power and his love colliding and intermingling in the same place. And then the doxology at the end of that. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I want to give you four points about how the leadership of the project are going to work to make sure that the, the project stays strong and powerful. Okay? Ephesians 3 is really clear. Paul's saying that he wants the Holy Spirit to strengthen people with power on the inside. Now, the Holy Spirit is one of the, uh, the persons of God. We believe uh, in a monotheistic God. There's one God, there's three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So the question is, how does the Holy Spirit strengthen people on the inside? Here we go. Point number one. The Holy Spirit strengthens people when people immerse themselves in the Word of God, the Bible. Ephesians 6, verse 16 to 17 says this, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can ex extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is what? Okay. So what Paul's doing in Ephesians here is he's actually saying, here's all the kit you need to fight the battle, and your weapon is the Bible. So if you want to be strong, you need to have a good weapon, right? So you better know the Bible. You better be clear 
about that. It's really interesting. If you go back to the Gospels where it talks about Jesus being out in the wilderness and gets tempted by the devil, what does he quote to the devil? The Word of God, the Bible. Jesus used the Bible against the devil. And to be honest, Christians, to a large extent, probably are put to shame a bit by uh, Muslims and Jews, for example, aren't we? I mean, they, they just seem to spend a lot of time in, the, in their holy books. They recite it. They recite whole books. The Jews are very, are very good at just reciting whole slabs of, of Scripture. And it's a bit shameful sometimes that we're likely to squeeze out a five-minute session in the day sometime. You get what I'm saying? And, it's, and I'm not saying that to shame you. It's like we actually live in a really good time where you can find really creative ways to, to be in the Word. So I was just talking to someone the other day about an app that you can get on your phone that reads the Bible for you. <laughs> so if you're in the car or you're going for a walk, I mean, you don't even have to read anymore, do you? I mean, it's good to read, but you don't have to. You can just play an app, stick your earphones in and listen to someone read the Bible for you. You know, and one of the things that we'll be doing at the project is we, we're going to guarantee to you that we're going to stay in the Bible because the Bible's powerful. So we're going to encourage you to, to read it, think about it, memorize it, use it, and then do it. <laughs> All right? Because the second way that the Holy Spirit makes people powerful on the inside is by believing the Word or active trust in what God says in the Word. Listen to this from... Uh, Galatians 3.5, does he who supplies the Holy Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law, by you trying hard or by hearing with what? Faith, right? So you hear the word and you go, I'm just going to go and do it. And uh, many of you have heard me say this. So we ought to get a little bit more of an obedience kind of mindset that's like, well, I'll just go and do it. God said to do it, so I'll just go and do it. And you'll be amazed at how that will strengthen you on the inside and what God's going to do through you and around you. Number three, how will the Holy Spirit make the project powerful? Well, one of the ways that he's going to do it is by us praying for it and asking God for it. Luke 11 verse 13, this is Jesus speaking. He says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So that's one thing that we're going to do. We're going to say, God, give us the Holy Spirit. God, give us strength. God, work in us and through us and be alive in us and the last one is by obeying him this is a this is where we get into the the mystery a little bit who here knows that there's sometimes you just get promptings and you think maybe that might be god that you need to go and do it a particular thing so anyone know what i'm talking about who knows that when you don't do it they tend to go away and they get pretty quiet you know, it's like sometimes I hear people, you know, it's almost like people are going, well, I'm waiting for God to reveal to me that I need to tell my neighbor about Jesus. <laughs> it's, it's like, and it's almost like, you know, if I went and did it, God would be angry with me. What the heck are you doing sharing Jesus with your neighbor? I didn't tell you to do that. <laughs> do you get what I'm saying? Like sometimes you can get in that dumb place where you go, I'm going to wait for the leading on stuff. Now, listen. If you get a sense on the inside that there's something that you need to do and it doesn't contradict the scriptures, why don't you just go and do it? Like, wouldn't you just take the chance that that's God doing something inside of you? 
Like, it's not like you're going to be sinning. It's like, oh, I just don't know whether God would have me make a meal for someone. I think maybe I heard it, but I'm not sure that was him. And I'll just go, well, why don't you just do it? It's not like he's going to bust you for making a meal for someone. Do you get what I'm saying? Because you actually end up in a far worse place if you're just going, no, no, I'm just going to wait until God makes it really clear to me. And I just go, well, maybe what's going to happen is you just need to go with the inclination and the little prompting and just keep going with it. As long as it fits in with what God's up to and the scriptures, just keep going with it. And I think it'll probably get louder and louder and louder and clearer and clearer and clearer. True? And that's going to happen. I'm just committing to you that at a leadership level, we're going to do our best to do that. All right. So sometimes things will happen and we'll just go, look, we think this might be something that God wants us to do at the moment. Um, maybe, I mean, I've said that before. I said, I think maybe this is something that God wants to do. Now, we're pro- I doubt whether I'm ever going to stand up and say, thus saith the Lord. God said this. All right. But if I have a sense, a gut feeling that maybe there's something we need to do, I'll, I'll just say, I think this is probably where we need to go and what we need to do. And it's not going to contradict the scriptures. So let's give it a try. Okay, and I think the project is the sum of its parts, right? So we're not doing that for you. You've got to do that yourself too. If we want to be a really fruitful church, all of you need to be responsive to the Holy Spirit and the promptings that might be Him. Now, here's one of my classic lines. You can't steer a stationary boat. And that's a lot of the problem with Christians is that they get stationary and they sit there and they go, I'm going to be stationary and wait until God tells me what to do. Now, there are some times where you have to do that. But not all the time. And I would say probably not even more than 10% of the time. The other 90%, I reckon, is to just go, well, the scriptures say this about what I need to do. Here's a need I can see over here or here's someone that needs some encouragement. So I'm just going to go and let it loose. And let's see what God does. You're not going to get in trouble. All right? And I think the more you do it, the clearer your line's going to be from God in terms of the Holy Spirit just giving you a gut feeling about what you need to do. Here's where I'm going to finish. Here's my question, Mark. Could this be a project doxology? This is what we just read. Just think about this in the context of the project. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. Now, stop for a minute. Humans have imaginations, right? Paul's just said, your imagination can't out-imagine what God can do. There's a trick here, right? And the trick's this. A lot of the stuff that God does is counterintuitive. He kind of does it in reverse. All right? So you get back into, into uh, the Gospels. In um, Matthew 16, 24 to 25, this is what Jesus says. And Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Listen, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, well, what? Keep it or find it. That's reverse. All right? So you can read doxologies like this and you go, oh, cool. This means God's going to, he's going to give me all the things that I want beyond what I can imagine. Well, 
probably what he's going to do is change your wants, change your desires. That's pretty clear biblically. But the truth is, he can do far more than we ask or even imagine in a counterintuitive way and in a normal way. Because God does work in a straightforward way a lot of the time, but a lot of the time he's counterintuitive. So you just don't want to lock him in too much there. But let me leave this as a challenge to you. Do you actually believe that for the project? 100 people, 160 adults and kids. What's the limit? I wonder whether you... uh, I remember this teacher that used to work at the school here. He he really impacted me with regard to his praying. You know why? Because he, I wasn't even thinking on the same level as this guy. Like we'd start praying and he'd start, his imagination would just fire up and he'd just start praying all these things that he'd like God to do and that he thought fitted in with God's plan. I wasn't even there. And he would just go off for, a, you know, for a good five or 10 minutes and he'd, he'd just be asking for all this stuff. And I'd kind of sit there and I'd go, I didn't even think of that. And that's why I reckon it's good to be in community because you need to be with people who do that. I think if you don't pray, do you notice here, if you don't pray with imagination, by default, you're just going to sell yourself short in comparison to what God actually wants to get up to. That's That's a little bit scary. But you need imagination, amen? So, I mean, that'd be an interesting thing. It's just for you to think about, reflect on. Do I pray with imagination? Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the project. Amen? To him be glory in the project and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. That's what we want. He's in the middle. He's never getting out of the middle. And the whole world and the whole universe works best when he stays there and we don't try to kick him out. All right? And when your life goes around him, it becomes ordered in a way that it's never going to be uh, any way else. Why don't you stand with me, hey, and I'll pray. So God, at the project here, we don't want James 4 to be true of us. James writes, you do not have because you do not ask. And uh, we probably, well, I'll speak for myself, I don't really pray with imagination that much. And your word says that you can do far beyond what we ask or even imagine. So God, I pray that you'd help us to have imagination in our praying. God, I pray that you'd help us to, uh, to be expectant in the project about what you're going to do what you're going to get up to. God, we thank you for everything that you've done. And God, I pray that, look, it's not the end of the story in two years or ten years. God, we pray that there'd be a long, long legacy well beyond the lives of any of us living here, of this church living for you and being centered around you and your glory and people around in the culture and the community getting helped and getting drawn to you. Amen.